So let's just start with a little word of prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the ladies, Lord, who have taken their time to come out and, and just sit at your feet, Lord. Lord, this, this is what's important in life, you and your word. Lord, without you, we are lost. And without you, we've lost our way. Thank you for your word, Lord, that directs our path, that makes that path clear. I just pray that you would help us to sit at your feet this morning to leave everything else aside, Lord. And whatever words that you have for us, Lord, may, they, may we eat them. May they go deep inside, Lord. And may we take them to heart. In Jesus' name. So we've talked about some hard things lately. Right? We've talked about some suffering and then uh, joy in spite of suffering. And I had thought today to talk about contentment. So, um, so by your contentment, <laughs> Phyllis is always content. Yes, Phyllis greets me every morning with a, with a Bible verse and a hallelujah and lots of little fun emojis. So I thank you. She starts my day. Um, but contentment can be elusive, right? We're content one minute and the next moment before we know it, we're wanting. It's hard to hang on to. So let's, let's kind of talk through that today. We're going to hit on the, some barriers to contentment. This is not intended to be an extensive look at each one. It's kind of a, an effort to stir up in us to make us think, you know, what is going on inside? What are you thinking about? Because I think a lot of times we just kind of motor through our days without really being intentional or thoughtful about what's going through here. So first of all, let's just talk about what does contentment mean? It means resting. resting. It means to be satisfied. It means with have a mind without disquiet. So it's not all rumbling around in there. It's actually a place of submission. Without protest. Taking things as they are. A synonym for contentment would be peace. Peaceful today, or are you churning? That could change in five minutes, I'm aware. And, and antonyms would be unhappy, depressed, dissatisfied. So we need to know as believers, there is no contentment apart from understanding the sovereignty of God. In order to be content, we need to look at our circumstances in life through the lens of God's sovereignty. Nothing comes into our lives that God does not allow or even ordain. That can be a hard one to take sometimes, but we have to trust him. That's what faith is, is trusting that he is who he says he is, that he loves us, that he's got us, that he's offered salvation for us, that we have a relationship with him if we take that, that, um, that offer, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, accept that exchange of his death on the cross for our sin, the wages of sin is death, he's died for that, and we have this relationship with God. And now we trust him. And that's what we spend our life doing, isn't it? Trying to find that path, to walk in his way, to find that happiness, to find that contentment. It cannot be found apart from him. And you know what, ladies? 
We are not equipped to judge circumstances or events. We don't see the whole picture. We have a little bitty, bitty piece. In the grand scope of things right now in the entire world, how big a piece is Chris Town Bible study? It's itty bitty. And then neck that down to your life. I mean, we're specs, right? And our life is like a like a blink. Gotta keep God's perspective. You know, God holds our lives in his hand. We don't have one more day or one less day than he's ordained for us. There are no accidents in God's economy. He's not ever taken by surprise. He calls us to him for salvation. He doesn't allow anything to touch us that he doesn't allow in. Sometimes that takes a lifetime to really understand. And not, not that I think we would ever really truly understand to where at his feet, right? But we've heard testimonies over the last couple of weeks. Jan shared. She's had great loss in her life. Sheila shared. She's had struggles with cancer the last couple of years. And her daughter, Julia, I thought was, did a precious job as well. She's, she had a season of um, a son being born with special needs. He's uh, cerebral palsy, and that's an ongoing thing that's involves growth and you know dealing with the body as it grows and it's a constant and she's homeschooling and you know and then her husband hurt his hand really badly that was a bad thing but she said you know when people tell you that God is good when things are going good what does that mean when things are not going good, right is God good all the time or isn't he's either good or he's not and we need to learn to accept that from his hand that's one reason I love reading Psalms, and especially Psalm 119. David gets that. He gets that everything comes from the hand of God, and he devours God's word. He hangs tight to God. He realizes his own shortcomings, and he clings to God with all his might. He's the apple of God's eye because he, he just gets it. He is one with God. He just doesn't want to do anything apart from him. He's laser-focused and relies on God's strength. I read through this little book, uh, Calm My Anxious Heart by Linda Dillow. Um, she's just a good author, but she had lots of great quotes. I'm going to use this a couple times today. Um, she made research easy for me. <laughs> um, but most of you know who Elizabeth Elliot is. And um, she was in Christian college and fell in love with this amazing handsome guy and he loved the Lord and he loved the Lord so much he wasn't ready to get married and she waited seven years for him. They finally get married. He takes them to the jungles of I think Ecuador and uh, they're there a year and a half. They have a young one and he's slaughtered by the Indians there trying to bring in gifts. And Elizabeth Elliot's whole life is She's not struggling. Anything that you read of her, you can find her stuff in a lot of places. She's kind of like Naomi's era. Um, there's a lot of podcasts, they didn't have nothing, <laughs> tapes or whatever, lessons that she's spoken. Never is she saying to you, um, oh, I just struggled with this, I struggled with that. She was gifted a true faith. And she, um, when you listen to her, she's like, fuck up. <laughs> you know, this is who God is. And here's what she says um, about Psalm 16, 5. And that is, Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup, you have made my lot secure. And here's what she says about that. I know of no greater simplifier for all of life 
Whatever happens is assigned. Does the intellect balk at that? Can we say that there are things that happen to us that do not belong to our lovingly assigned portion? Hmm, this belongs, but that doesn't. Yeah, as if I get to decide. Are some things then out of control of the Almighty? Every assignment is measured and controlled for my eternal good. As I accept the given portion, other options are canceled. Decisions become much easier. Direction is clearer, and hence my heart becomes inexpressibly quieter. There's that word, quiet heart. A quiet heart is content with what God gives. I don't know about you ladies, but I think that's only available through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I come kicking and screaming just about everything that comes. <laughs> Even the drivers that cross my path, you know, it's like, you know, I have to fuss about everything. That contentment, that quiet heart comes from him alone. So we often find ourselves discontent, don't we? And there are the big things in life like we're talking about, but there's also just everyday life, which is most tends to be most of our lives every day. And what happens when we find ourselves discontent? You know, I don't think it's always a bad thing. Maybe discontent means there's something I could do about it. Like it's in my realm, like it's something God has given me, like take care of your body, right? Am I taking care of my body? Am I eating well? Am I exercising? Am I, you know, staying at a weight that my body can handle? Am I doing my part? Is it in the realm of my will? How about mentally? You know, do I just, am I lazy in my mental capacity? Or am I learning and seeking God's will? That takes mental and spiritual um, temperament. What about my character? Do I say, oh, you know, I'm just that kind of person. I just fly off the handle. That's just the way I am. I'm sorry. You just have to take it or leave it. God has told us, he's commanded us as Titus to women to bring ourselves under, under self-control. That's to be the mark of a Christian woman is she's self-controlled, right? And if we just say, well, that's just the way I am, that kind of discontent is on us. If I continue to continue in a sin and I have consequences and I'm discontent, <laughs> that's on me. There's something that can be done about that. I can repent. I can turn. And God has made us conquerors. He's given us his word and his presence. He's given us everything we need to walk in his way, to be happy to be that in that Psalm 119.1. Blessed is he who walks in the way, who keeps his testimonies. So what are our barriers to contempt? And not everybody's is the same. Um, I think for a lot of us, the answer would be myself, right? I'm not content with the body God gave me. I'm not content with the home I have. I'm not content with the features on my face. I'm not content with my, you know, with my talents. Why can't I be like that? Why can't I? Why can't I? Why can't I? Why is it like this? When you think about the fact that God tells us in Psalm 139 that he knit us in our mother's womb, do you think it's a bit insulting when all we do is criticize what he knit together? Do you think that's really insulting to God? I do. Think about if you spent months, nine months, making this most beautiful, awesome quilt. This is totally detailed, right? And you gave it to a gift to someone, and all they could do is pick it apart. Well, the threads aren't me. And I don't want to like those colors. It's the wrong size, you know? 
It is true. We are so picky. So I would just encourage you ladies to see yourself as a wonderful gift of God. Um, I have a great quote from George MacDonald. I don't have any idea what the man looked like. Or, but, you know, George MacDonald was in England and he was a, 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 he owned an orphanage and he was father to many homeless children. He said, I would rather be what God chose to make me than the most glorious creature that I could think of. For to, to have been thought about, born in God's thought, and then made by God is the dearest, greatest, and most precious thing in all things. God thought about you before you were even here, right? He had a design for you. And I think one of the best things and one of the best remedies we can do is to be gracious towards each other, other women, especially women are women's worst critics. I don't know if you know them. You know, we're, we've always got an opinion. And I think if we work on being gracious when you see someone trying to find something positive to think about in that person and their appearance or their character or whatever, that makes us more gracious to ourselves and vice versa. You know, just quit picking, ladies. <laughs> just quit picking. Um, I love this quote. And I actually have a handout for you later that has this one, so don't worry about writing it. You will know, this is by uh, Pastor Je, um, Reverend James Huffstetler. I don't know him. It says, you will never really enjoy other people. You will never have stable emotions. You will never lead a life of godly contentment. You will never conquer jealousy and love others as you should until you thank God for making you the way he did. Mm. Have you met people, women or men, who are just totally comfortable in their own skin? Like when they come up to you, it's not about them. They're not self-conscious. They're not thinking about themselves. They're not trying to impress you. They just see you. And that's because they're comfortable in their own skin. And, and I just think that's what we all need to be. We need to be blessed others, not impress them. We need to be thinking about others instead of ourselves. We are so self-centered and self-focused. Um, I think especially for our kids, this is really important in a day and age where all they look at is the not all, but a lot of what they look at is the superficial, especially like on social media. Um, and uh, in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, Paul talks about his foolishness to compare yourself. You know, if you think about how hard it is as adults to combat that. Does anybody else combat that but my, me? You know, it's like, I'm always thinking about myself. I have out. God has grown me past a lot of that. But when you think about the capacity of a young person to be able to fight through that, it's pretty significant. And when then you let them have social media, where all they see are things that are not real, uh, show them, look up Dove commercial and show your teenagers. Just look up the Dove commercial. And it shows you all the things that are done to transform these regular looking people into supermodels. And, um, and what we appear at the time to think is, is beautiful. But I have um, my son-in-law offered uh, his children $1,000 each if they make it to the age of 18 without social media. I thought that was genius. And, you know, maybe money's not what drives your child, but this child is working. <laughs> and then my daughter, Katie, that, you know, who is so competitive, offered her daughters two things. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about that investment, 
you're talking about mental and spiritual health, keeping them off that stuff because it's not real and they don't know how to discern it. And then they're fed stuff, right? That makes them discontent. Oh, you're interested in this? Well, look at this, all this other stuff you should have too. It's 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 more than they need. It's too heavy for them. Do not let your young children have social media. And you know your own kid and all that, but I thought that was just, I think that should be like a thing. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's one thing that makes our um, contentment, <clears throat> the deems our contentment is just our the satisfaction with ourselves. And how about our husbands? Is everybody content with their husband? Poor guys. <laughs> we're so hard on them, aren't we? Oh my gosh. Next week, we're going to talk about the heart of the dad. And you're going to all go home and hug him because you're going to realize how guilty you are. That's how you treat him. Myself included. I read the book and I cried and hugged the husband. <laughs> just, they're just such great, great guys. And we just beat them up. So... Um, you know, do don't compare, you know, don't compare them with what you see outside of your own home, your friend's husband, or your brothers, or your dad. And certainly don't ever say to them, I wish you were more like my dad, or my dad always, or my brother always. He is his own person. And you know, the word the best way to undo him is to, is to compare him because then you'll quit trying and you'll have a self fulfilling prophecy. So just keep at it, right? Okay. You know, if someone constantly told you, you know, how wrong you were, you know, all the things that we do to our guys, would you keep trying? Maybe not. So learn to respect him. Did you hear I said learn to respect him? I didn't say they deserve it. You know, we don't deserve to be loved all the time, do we? They don't really deserve the respect all the time. Being, being respectful is part of our calling. You know, in Ephesians 5, we're told, be sure. Make sure, women, that you respect your husband. I don't hear that as an option, right? And there are rewards in that. It builds on itself. If we show him respect, he's more likely to want to be that person we respect. Help him to be all he can be. You know, there are seasons in life. What does he want from you now? Maybe he wants you just to focus on those babies and be at home. And if he does, thank him every day. But you get to be home with that little one and watch every step of the way. But there may be situations when you, your husband calls you to please help me. I need help. Please go to work. And there may be a season that that's what you have to do. But he is the head of the household. And we are designed to be his helpmeet. That comes all the way from Genesis. The woman was decided that was created from the Adam's rib to be his helpmeet, to be alongside him. She's not under him. She's not behind him. She's beside him. And by his son, his helper. So go home today and ask him, what, what is it I can do to help you? And be content with him. And just think about your own thoughts. Listen to yourself. Are you mad because he's looking all sloppy watching the football game? You know? Maybe he just really enjoys that in the space he needs. Or maybe the lawn needs to be mowed and you're fussing at him the deck has got to be done. Listen to yourself. We want everything fully help. We want him to sit with us and be our buddy and visit with us, but yet we want everything done too. We just can't always have everything. And our children. 
what do we expect from our children? You know, sometimes we're not content because just basically because we feel like we're missing out. You know, we're home with kids and, you know, they're, they're eating the hours of the day and they're keeping me up at night and I just am not happy about this place. And please, please remember that God loves your children. He loves you and he values motherhood. It's part of God's design that we raise up children in our family. And it's not always fun and it can be messy and it can be full of peanut butter and jelly and it can be full of tears. And you know what? Our children won't always be what we want them to be or obey what we do. Think about God. Is he not the perfect parent? How many rebellious children does he have? Mm-hmm. And yet we expect, we have this unrealistic expectation that our kids, that we can just program, right? That we can just, if I do this, the child will do that. And it just doesn't work that way. But we try, right? We, we stay close to God. We, we work hard to understand those kids and to be fond of them and to train them up in the way that God has given them talent. Train them up in the way, um, you know, that's what he asks of us. Look at that child. You know, he's a little skinny. Does, do you want him to be a football player? No. He's a little skinny. Maybe he's made a great one. You know, don't try to make it into the mold that you want for him. And don't compare his grades to somebody else's, especially not his siblings. Be content with that kid who he is and let him know that you are. And it doesn't mean you don't have goals and there aren't things that we need to work on, but there are things that we cannot change. And they need to know that you love them just the way they are. Help them to see the good things in them. Like, you know what? You're just like your dad when you do that. I see your dad in you. Not like I see your dad in you, but I see your dad in you, right? The good things about you. And help them to see others in a generous way. The way we talk about people is the way that they see. You know, sometimes we're kind of loose with our tongue. We could be a little gossipy at home and stuff. But your children are hearing and they're learning. You're teaching whether you whether you think it's a teachable moment or not. So just be really careful to be generous others with others so that they will be generous with themselves as well. You now being a content is, is a choice, right? I can choose whether to, to be thankful for what I've got or I can find it all along the way. And our kids learn that from us. Another thing that keeps us from contentedness is unforgiveness. On September the 6th, we did a whole lesson on forgiveness. If you didn't catch it or if you need a reminder, go back and catch the podcast. If we are unforgiving, there's no Christian life. I mean, if, if you don't forgive, God says, if we don't forgive others, he won't forgive us. That, that's not negotiable. You know, so sometimes we have to work through those things. Sometimes the forgiveness required is very, very hard, but it's required. And if we are holding on to unforgiveness, the one that gets hurt is who? God knows that. It's us that gets hurt because we're constantly waiting for someone to repay us for what they don't owe us. Right? We've got this debt that they somebody's got to pay us. Let that debt be owed to them. You know, let them go. Freedom of that. 
extra generous in your forgiveness without making an excuse. How about greed? I think greed can be a hindrance to contentment. I think that's a really big thing in the United States of America. <laughs> you know, my daughter went to Guatemala for a mission trip when she was 14. And she came home and she said, Mom, the people are so happy. And they're so content. And you know what? They don't have TV. They don't have the internet. They don't have catalogs. Right? They just have what they have. And every day is just what it is. And they're not constantly looking for something that they can achieve. Life is, is much simpler. And here in the United States, we have more than just about any other country in the entire world. And what are we? Unhappy. And we're always searching for more. We're always wanting. We are whiners. You know, this. it was mentioned that um, the Sears catalog was kind of a catalyst for this thinking in the country. You know, it's like before then, you just worked on the farm. And you might go to the hardware store or the little department store. But when the, when the Sears catalog came in, and everybody would spend hours just pouring over, oh, look at all these things I need and are available. I didn't even know I needed. You know, it's like, and now here we are in the digital age where that stuff, not only, you don't have to get that catalog, it comes right into your phone and into your TV. And you, it's a slaughter, it's just an onslaught of ads about all the things that you need. And again, if we have trouble fighting it, what do you think it's like for our children? Right? So protect your kids. You know, don't just stick them in front of cartoons on Saturday. What do you think comes on between those cartoons? All the great toys that they need for Christmas. And that, that creates greediness, doesn't it? Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where are your treasures? Our treasures as believers are in heaven waiting that's our goal. That's our focus. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has it now. If you love money, you'll never be satisfied. Because there's always more. You know, that God has more to say about um, money and finances than any other topic in the Bible. And I think it's because it's a reflection of what we value, right? So he knows that he has to train us um, to not value money and teach us what to value. And one of the first things that we can do is realize that everything we have comes from him. It's a gift. We don't deserve anything. God doesn't owe us anything. And we need a heart attitude of thankfulness. Are you thankful for what you have? If you're not thankful for the little, guess what? You're not going to be thankful for much either. Learn to be thankful for the little things. Possessions are to be used, not loved. And ladies, this, you know, we talk about the ever-widening circle, and second hour is considered our training hour, but we're all in training, aren't we? You know, every time we meet, every time we talk about these things, this is a place of influence to be able to talk to your daughters and your friends and your sons and this, ad this attitude of gratefulness and perspective. That's, that's what widens the circle. You guys are all being trained for your sphere of influence. It is so important that you share these things. 
with your kids and your families. So if you're thankful, do you thank your husband as well? Even if you work, do you thank him? He's the head of your home. Thank him. Thank him for the paycheck. Thank you. For, thank him for bringing it home. Do you teach your kids to um, be thankful to Dad? Do they buy him? The big way they can be thankful is to respect the things that they have. You know, we don't get a bicycle and leave it out overnight in the rain, right? Teach your kids to be respectful. We had a woman a couple years ago. It was such a sweet story because only because she was so repentant, but. We were talking about finances, and I said, you know, be sure that you agree, you and your husband agree. You know, he may give you this much and say, you're in charge of this, or you may have the kind of relationship where he wants to know what you're buying, whatever the case is. Don't hide things from him. Don't be deceitful. You know, don't put a little bit aside so you can do something that maybe he, he wouldn't want you to do. And this woman had five children, and she and her husband worked very hard, and uh, her daughter wanted a pair of shoes for like dance or something. And dad said no. And you know what she did? She bought them anyway. And she hid them. And she told the child to hide them. And she came, that was the day before. And she came here and she goes, oh, I just did that. And she went home and she confessed to her husband and everything. But just that she let God speak to her own, you know. But money's not ours, right? It's not his and it's not ours. And not his and not hers, it's ours, right? And giving is the same thing. Women, I think, tend to be more uh, more prone to, to give. You know, I think guys maybe give for the bigger things. The ladies are more likely to give for this and that, the basic needs and stuff. But make sure that he approves of that before you do it. And you know what? If you feel compelled and he says no, God will cover you. God will bless you. But disobeying him and doing just what you want, even though it's giving, that's not going to be rewarding. So just be sure that you're that you and your husband are on the same page. Um, you know, every family is different. You know, if you can get your husband, if you haven't been through a Dave Ramsey program or like the Larry Burkett stuff, see if you can get him to go again. This 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 how we manage our money is huge in our Christian walk. Even though it's a worldly kind of thing, how we handle it and what we do with it and what we think about it. It's a very spiritual area of our life. Okay, so we've had greed and unforgiveness and self, self and husband and children. Another area that we struggle with contentment is um, lack of purpose. Lack of purpose. Now, without the Lord, what is your purpose? And for us, what is our purpose? Ephesians 5. One, there's many verses that tell us our purpose, but our purpose is basically what? To glorify God, right? So Ephesians 5, 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. We're to be the fragrance of God, right? We're to be a reflection of him. We're going to be his ambassadors here on earth. And he's given us work to do. But that doesn't identify who we are. Let's say we're a mom. That's not necessarily my purpose. Or I'm a wife. Or I'm an employee. Those are, our, are all platforms for my purpose, which is to glorify God. 
So no matter what I'm doing, whatever God has called me to do, that is my platform for glorifying. You know, we've talked some about making our own mission statements or, you know, statements of what our life is about. It doesn't hurt us all to write down, you know, what is my purpose? Do you know your purpose? If somebody asked you, what is your purpose in life? Would you be able to, to verbalize that? Here's kind of a paraphrase from Ephesians 5.15. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as women who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. What is your purpose? Make the best of your time, despite all the evils of these days. Don't be vague, but grasp firmly what you know to be the will of the Lord. And then here's a little, um, someone's, you know, does anybody know who Gutty Scott Stan was? She was a Chinese missionary, and she and her husband were actually martyred for their faith. And this was a, this is a little purpose. Um, saying that she had in her Bible, and Elizabeth Elliot kept it in hers. says, Lord, I give up all my own plans and purposes, all my own desires and hopes, and accept thy will for my I give myself, my life, my all, utterly to thee, to be thine forever. Fill me and seal me with the Holy Spirit. Use me as thou wilt. Send me where thou wilt. Work out thy will, full will in my life at any cost, now and forever. How strong is our purpose? If we don't know our purpose, we flounder. And then the, the last thing that um, I think we all struggle with is anxiety, right? Anxiety means actually to choke or to strangle. <laughs> it takes the life out of you, doesn't it? It can hurt us on all levels. Anxiety tends to be linked to the future. Whereas depression is more about what's in the past. And the thing about both of those is we can't change either. <laughs> can't change the past and we have no control over the future. So remember that worry changes the warrior, but nothing else. And Oswald Chambers reminds us that worry is sin. And he even calls it infidelity. Why is that? Because I've made someone God over over him. I've, I've idolized something else. You know, I idolize my own way, or I think I have a better solution, or I don't trust God for his. Worry is sin. I wanted to tell you guys, you know, I was I was in the hospital for eight days. You know, my lesson of contentment. <laughs> but um, I wanted to go home so bad. But um, I was there because of season in my life. Um, and my kids were all teenagers, and we had some pretty hard things going on. We lost a business. We were hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, and um, my son decided to start his long journey towards drug addiction. <clears throat> and during that time, I got, I was, you know, I, I felt like I was praying, but my, I was torn up all the time. And I couldn't see to the future, of course, none of us can, but I couldn't not worry. I spent, even though I was praying, I spent a lot of time worrying and that caused um, intestinal problems. And so uh, it actually kicked off an autoimmune disease and then I ended up on uh, medication that suppresses that immune system so your body's not attacking itself. 
So after all these years now, been on that for 12 years, my body kind of forgot how to fight infections. So I ended up twice this summer in the hospital fighting infections. All that to say, worry costs really bad. Um, health problems, you know, and I, and that's one of the reasons God's gracious way of telling us, just let go, I've got it. You know, nothing about your worry is going to change this. And I, I love this person. I love your son. I love your husband. It's going to be okay. Um, and I, uh, I wanted to go through Psalm 117 for a minute and just pick out a few of the verses. We can do that because they are independent. I don't like skipping through scripture like that. Psalm 119. Did I say that or did I say that? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. 119 is where we are this year. Do you think I can say that right? I don't know. So when you're in a time of worry, in a time of stress, in a time of discontent, where should we turn? Of course, to scripture. We should let God's word counsel our heart. Do like David did, just devour it. You know, eat it like there's no tomorrow. Eat it like it's your source of life, and it is. And what's really important on the other end of that is to avoid bad counsel. So if you've got people or things in your life that are counseling you for more, counseling you to be discontent, whether that be social media or a friend or a sister or a mom, or just your neighbor, you know, separate yourself if you need to. If you cannot fight that discontent they put in your heart, separate yourself. That catalog comes in the mail, pitch it before you can get it in the house. You know, do what you need to do to protect yourself. So I wanted to look at some of these verses. I'm just going to give you a few here. I would encourage you to read through uh, 119 at least once a week while we're going through this. But one of the best things that um, David does in verse 7, he says, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will praise you with an uprightness of heart. And then in verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Just this total rejoicing and delight in God. And then he knows that God's word is the source of contentment. He says, oh, how I love your law. This is verse 97. How I love your law is my meditation all the day. If you're meditating on God's word all day, and that means you can apply it to those things. You know, it doesn't mean you're ignoring what's going on in your life, but apply it. Pray scripture. Pray scripture to the situation. Pray scripture, you know, over, um, even, and just be honest with God. You know, God, I'm floundering here. I'm full of doubt. Help me. Help restore my faith. That starts by looking for God's counsel. And I love this verse. I made you through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. The enemy is forever trying to make us discontent. But God makes us wiser than that. He gives us the key to contentment. Another key to um, contentment is obedience. You know, sometimes we think we're suffering, but all we're doing is suffering a consequence, right? We've made bad choices, and we don't understand why things are going so well. Um, and David says, and David's looking for those things. You know, where can I, where can I come your way? And he says in verse 59, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. 
I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. What does that sound like? I told you, you know, slow obedience is no obedience. Isn't that what you tell your kids? David knew that. God didn't have to tell me. He goes, I, I see. I see what I'm doing wrong and I'm going to turn. I'm going to make haste. I'm not going to waste time. Who wants to be out from under God's protection? And then David realized in verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield and your word. Now, I have a little homework for you. Write down Psalm 77. It's a little long, so I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But the first nine verses, David is in total anguish. He's in total anguish. His, he can't sleep. His eyes are He can't close his eyes. He thinks about God and he's just in so much stress. How long, Lord, are you going to ignore me? Are you ever going to come and rescue me? But then in verse 10, when you read it, look at verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Remember what he has done. So remember what he has done for us. And at this age in my life, <laughs> I have lots of those things that I can remember. And if you're younger, you can take the testimony of those who are older. That's why God, I believe, one of the reasons he gives the older women the command to teach the younger women. Yes, this is hard. Yes, this is a hard season. But wait. But wait on God. God has a solution. He's got you. Like that whole verb, that whole chapter is just amazing. He goes from anguish to praise by remembering what God has done. And that is the key to contentment. I thought that was an amazing, amazing testimony. So to be content. So ladies, I hope... Um, think about that this week. Think about, maybe you don't even realize you're discontent. Maybe we're going to talk a little bit about that next hour. What, what are the signs that you're discontent? <coughs> maybe that grumpiness or that sour attitude or that snippy, those snippy words. Maybe that's part of being discontent that we need to be aware of and honor God with our, with our thankfulness and our contented quiet. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We just thank you so much for your lesson to us. Lord, help us to be content, and just regardless, Lord, of what goes around us. In spite of circumstances, Lord, you are good. Build our faith, Lord. Help us to testify to your goodness. In Jesus' name, we pray.